and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. everybody, this is Brother Frank, back with another episode of The Remnant Call. I uh, don't know about you, but it just seems like the enemy is up to doing whatever he can in order to distract us from what's going on in this world. Whether it's the hype from all the fake news, and folks, let me just tell you, it's fake news all over the place. The only thing that is really true news is that the end is at hand. These are the days that the, all the prophets were looking forward to. This is the time that we need to be ready because our Lord and Savior, Yeshua, Jesus, he's coming again. That, friends, is truth. That is what's going on in this world right now, and we need to be prepared. And no, I can't think of a better person to come on and talk about the hour that we're living in than Brother Benjamin Brook. Hey, listen, if you didn't check out last week's episode with uh, Brother David Murray, uh, part three in his Deeper Walk series, check it out. Folks, it's about being prepared, understanding the times, and walking deeply with God. we got to get it together. we got to get on our knees. And if you're on your knees in your prayer closet spending time with the Lord, I'm telling you, you're it, this thing that's coming, it, it won't matter. You won't be shaken because you will already be in the right place. And that is in the heart of God. When you are on your knees and you are in his word, you are studying the word of God and sharing this warning, this good news. Jesus is coming again. It's time to get ready. Well, I'm not going to delay any longer. This tonight is the visit part two with Brother Benjamin Baruch. And I've got him here on the line and I'm going to bring him on right now. Brother Benjamin, are you here with us? Hey, good evening, Frank. Hey, brother, glad to have you back. And uh, thank you for coming in at a time tonight, especially when there's so much just garbage going on in the news and all these, uh, well, they're like circus acts going on up in D.C. and everything right now. And, uh, you know, I get sick of the Ringling Brothers. I, I, we need to hear a word from the Lord, brother. And I thank you for coming on tonight to share with us out of the Word of God. Hey, praise the Lord. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's been a while since we did part one, but hallelujah, we're, we're going to look again at the, at the subject of the visit of the Lord, God's visitation when he comes to visit his people when he comes to visit the earth and uh praise god i'm looking forward to tonight we got i think a lot to get through and so you know i'm Amen. i'm believing we're going to cover most of it but before we begin let's just pray father Amen. thank you that the word of truth can still be preached on the internet thank you that this channel has not yet been taken down that the enemy has not yet silenced every voice in terms of the media channels to this country. And Lord, thank you that you're still speaking to us. You're still revealing 
the jewels, the precious jewels of your kingdom that are coming forth out of the living word of God. Father, bring forth a Rima word tonight full of living water. Lord, bring forth living manna, bread that is alive, the very life of Jesus to, to heal and to strengthen and to restore and to deliver your people and that Jesus would be glorified. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. The Amen. visit. The visit of the Lord. The Lord is coming. And before he comes in the clouds, he's going to come and, and visit us in ways that perhaps were not commonly understood. Before the first coming, when Jesus was born of a virgin, and he came, and the actual Son of God, eternal God, the deity in the form of the Son of God was literally took on the weakness of humanity in the womb of a woman and then was born as a baby and he lived, he, he grew and he lived among us and we knew it not until it was revealed in the time. So too, the Lord's going to come in this time in ways that people perhaps don't understand. I want to begin in the book of Luke, just briefly reading the prophecy of Zechariah for the, the announcement that Elizabeth was with child. And, of course, this was heralded by the angel, and Zechariah didn't really believe. He spoke a word of unbelief, and, and the the punishment for that was he would be silent during the time of the of the pregnancy, and now at the point where they're going to name the son, Zechariah's tongue is loosed after he writes that the name of the child shall be John. And of course, at that point, fear came upon the people because the Lord had begun his visitation. Only the first part was in the life and in the person of John the Baptist, who had just been born. And now Zechariah, prophesying under the unction of the Holy Spirit, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all of the world that hates us now, to perform the mercy that our God promised to our fathers and to remember the covenant that he made and the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, that we, that he would grant unto us that we would be delivered out of the hands of our enemies that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And Zechariah spoke to his newborn son, Yohanan, saying, And you, child, shall be called a prophet of the highest, for you shall go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way and to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. The knowledge of salvation comes through actual repentance. It's not a doctrine. It's an event. It's something that you experience. Salvation happens to you. You don't learn about salvation. You are saved. 
through the remission, through the washing of your sins, and through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us, and to give light to them that sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his showing unto Israel. So the visitation in the first coming of the Lord began with him sending a servant before his face. And so too, in this last generation, the visitation of the Lord God Almighty, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and, and he will be revealed as the eternal king, the visitation will first come in the form of the messengers that he will send before his face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 27, beginning in verse 5, the Lord declares, I have made the earth and man and the beasts that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm. And I've given it unto whom it seemed right unto me. The Lord is sovereign over his creation. And he continues in Jeremiah 27. And he said, And now I have given all of these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Boy, that would have really made people mad. The thought that this heathen king was the servant of the Lord. But the whole earth belongs to the Lord. He's the God of armies, and every army does his bidding. And also the beasts of the field, I've given him also to serve. And all the nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the very time of his land has come. And we know from previous teachings that the time of the land of Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans, shall be 70 years. And then many nations and great kings will serve themselves of him also. And so here we have the declaration of God that Nebuchadnezzar, and again we know from the, the revelation of the Holy Spirit that at the time of the end, prophecies regarding Babylon are being yet fulfilled again. And again, a time of the rule of Babylon over the nations, according to the time of the land of Babylon, has been appointed of 70 years. And in Jeremiah 27, in verse 21, we read, Yes, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord, and in the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem. Now, the Babylonian conquest had begun, and the king of Babylon had already begun to remove the people and to remove the vessels of worship from the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. But there were yet vessels that remained. There was a remnant that had been left behind in the house of the Lord. And Jeremiah prophesied, They too shall be carried off unto Babylon, and there they shall be until the day that I visit them, saith the Lord. And then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. And so the Lord was telling Israel all of the vessels in the service of the Lord, would be carried in captivity to Babylon. There would not be one left behind. And they would remain in captivity under the dominion of the spirit and the king of Babylon 
until the time that the Lord would come in visitation, and then the Lord himself would bring them up, and he would restore them to their proper place. And this word in the text of Jeremiah 27, when the Lord said, until the day that I visit, it's Strong's number, Hebrew number 6485, and it's Pakad in the Hebrew, and it means to visit, or to oversee, or to give charge, or to appoint another as an officer or an authority. And so the visitation of God in the office or the authority of John the Baptist was the Lord sending one in his place. You know, the Lord is the King of Kings. He doesn't do everything personally. He has a lot of servants, and he will send them with his authority. And it's as if the king came to visit, because the authority of the king has been vested in the messengers that he sends. And so, too, at the end of the age, those who come with the fullness of the anointing, and they come in the office and in the power of the name of Jesus Christ, will come in the, literally in the place of the Lord. And it will be the beginning of the visitation of the Lord. But here the Lord says that I will visit and I will bring back the vessels that had been taken into captivity. And we know that, you know, in the original fulfillment, the vessels were the golden cups and the utensils and all of the instruments that were used in the formal temple worship in Jerusalem. But we know under the new covenant that we have become the living temple. No more did God want another temple built with stone, built by the hand of man, that under the new covenant the Lord had decreed he would have a temple that would be built by his hand, and his people would become the living stones. And the hearts of his people would be the vessels he would use. And so here, this prophecy has been repeated a second time, as the people who are the vessels of the Lord in this final hour, they too have all been carried into captivity spiritually under the dominion and the deception of Babylon. Now some may dispute that they're in captivity today, and that's fine, you know, believe whatever you want to believe. But I can assure you, there, is n there may be a small remnant, but for the vast majority of the people, they are under the yoke of slavery to the sins that they let in their lives. Whoever sins is a slave of sin. And if there's one thing the Laodicean hour has brought in universally into the house of God, it's the spirit of sin and compromise. And so the people in this hour have been carried into captivity, and not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. But the good news is, the Lord says, on the day when I visit them, I'm going to take my vessels home. I'm going to restore them to this place, to the place of worship before the Lord. They will be sanctified and cleansed and restored to the soul and holy worship unto God. And so that's what's coming, dear friends. And the day of visitation, at the end, when the time of the land of Babylon has been fulfilled, the Lord said, then I will visit, and I'm going to restore my people. And this is what 
the visitation, as I mentioned, in the case of John the Baptist, that was the beginning of the visitation of the Lord, as he sent his officer, John, with his authority, in his place, so too at the time of the end. In Jeremiah 50, during the judgment upon the daughter of Babylon, which is America in the last days, verse 44, the scripture reads, I will make the enemies of America suddenly run away. They're going to get afraid. And who is the chosen one that I will appoint over her? This is one like John that the Lord will appoint with his authority. And this will be the beginning of the visitation by the Lord. And who is like me? And who will appoint me the time? And who is the shepherd that will stand before me? In the Hebrew-English interlinear Bible, that verse reads, I will appoint over her whoever I choose. For God is sovereign. He can lift up one and put down another. The Lord doesn't ask any of us our opinion in the matters. His running of His universe, His dominion over His creation. I will appoint over America whoever I choose. And who is like me? And who will summon me? And what man can stand before me? Hallelujah. The holy remnant themselves, as I said, are the vessels that are now going to be delivered by the very hand of the Lord. I want to begin reading in Jeremiah chapter 30, just share a few verses dealing with the time of visitation. For that time, as we're going to see tonight, indeed is nigh upon us. Hallelujah. Thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Write thee all of the words that I've spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again. I'm going to... That means I'm going to return or turn back the captivity of my people Israel. The Lord overturns our captivity. It is the Lord who delivers us. It is the Lord who comes and restores the vessels of honor to their proper service in the living temple of God. I am going to return and restore the captivity of my people, saith the Lord. And I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers and they shall possess it. And thus, these are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling and of fear and not of peace. Ask me now and see, when does a man travail with a child? But why do I see every man with his hand on his loins as women in travail, and all the faces of the people have turned into blackness and into paleness. Alas, for the day, the day is great, and there is none like it. And it is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Now there's some that suppose that these prophecies only pertain to, to the Jew and to Israel, and that for whatever reason, the church will not be here to participate. And, you know, so perhaps they may find themselves right for reasons they never anticipated. The martyrdom of the church may have already been fulfilled. And only a remnant of the Goyim, only a remnant of the Gentile believers 
will be yet with us at the time of the actual tribulation. The persecution that happened in Rome almost 2,000 years ago, that happened before the rapture. The persecution that takes place today in many, many countries around the world is happening before the rapture. So, too, the persecution coming when the Lord said, and you should be hated of all nations on account of my name. That is before the time of the great tribulation even begins. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will break the yoke from off of thy neck, and I will bust your bonds. I will break the bondages, and the strangers will no more serve themselves of you. The Lord is delivering his people from their captivity. And this is at the end of the age. Everyone understands this reference to the time of Jacob's trouble is a reference to the beginning of the Great Tribulation and the visitation of our God. And the first thing the Lord does is set his people free. And verse 9, And they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Well, now that's interesting. Is King David going to be resurrected and among the remnant? Or will there be a type and a shadow, one who will walk in the office of the king? Well, is the prophet Elijah going to literally come back, having been carried into heaven in a chariot of fire? Will Elijah and Enoch actually be here as the two witnesses? Or will there be two who come in their offices and with their power and anointing, even as John the Baptist came in the office of Elijah, and the Lord himself told us, this is the prophecy of Elijah who would come. But the coming was in the name of the man John, yet he came with the power and the anointing of Elijah. So too, the raising up of one who will be like King David unto the people, this too shall be another who will come forth with the heart of the Lord within him, a shepherd who cares for the sheep, shall be lifted up and, and, and given as an overseer to bless the people of God. Therefore fear not, my servant Jacob, says the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel. Look, the great tribulation is coming. It's nigh upon us, and the Lord is telling his people, don't be afraid, and don't be dismayed, O Israel. Well, Why? Why should we not be afraid? Terrible things are about to begin upon the earth. Terrible things are going to come forth. The judgment that is about to be released is like nothing that has ever happened before. The day, alas for the day, it is great. There is none like it ever. And yet in that day, the Lord is telling his people, Do not fear, my servants. Do not be dismayed, O Israel. For, lo, I will save thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity. Oh, the people, the seed of the children of God have been in a land of captivity. And Jacob shall return and shall be in rest, and shall be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of the nations where I've scattered you, the Lord's about to begin the judgment of the entire earth, and in that judgment, 
he will make a complete end of the nations of the world. Yet I will not make a full end of thee. The Lord is not bringing us to ruin. But I will correct you in measure. We don't, we don't get off scot-free. We do reap a little of what we've sown. I will not leave thee altogether unpunished. Now the Lord allows us to reap just enough to learn the wisdom of his ways and the foolishness of our choices that were outside of his will. For thus saith the Lord, thy bruise is incurable, and thy wound is grievous. These are the same people the Lord just said, don't be afraid, and don't be dismayed. I'm coming to save you. But now he's telling you, this is your condition. God's diagnosing the church. Your bruises are incurable. That word is anash in Hebrew. It means desperately wicked, sick, woeful, and your wounds are grievous. And that word is kala, and it means afflicted, to be made sick, to, to be put to grief, to suffer from grievous infirmity, to be in pain as a woman in travail, and to be weak and to be wounded. And that's the condition of people of God as a result of the slavery and the desolation that the enemy has brought into the camp. Now the Laodicean people who've never been in the house of the Lord, they do not understand this. They've never seen anything different. They judge everything from the mind of the flesh. They can only see with the eyes of the natural man. And so they understand nothing of the true spiritual condition of the people of God. But those who have walked in the days past in the holiness of the Lord and who have been in the very presence of the King, they understand the desolation that is now the church in the West and in much of the world. And the same desolation is the condition of the people of Israel, a people that are burdened, a people that are in bondage, a people that have been deceived, and a people that don't even know they're wretched and blind and naked. But they're about to find out, because the day of reckoning is about to begin. And in the first five minutes, the people are going to realize they had been terribly deceived. But don't forget, the Lord was encouraging us not to become afraid. So remember, hold on to that commandment. Your God has commanded you, saying, Fear not, and neither be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Yes, the wounds are incurable. Yes, the, grief, the pain is grievous. Yes, the people are in bondage. But the Lord himself is going to deliver us. And in that deliverance also comes healing and restoration and blessing. Hallelujah. For there is none to plead your cause, Jeremiah 30, verse 13, that you may be bound up and you have no healing medicines. And I'll tell you, the, the malady of the church today, there's no doctors, there's no counselors, there's no antidepressant medication, there's no alcohol, there's no entertainment, there's no pleasure, there's nothing that can cure the woeful condition in the hearts and in the minds of men. And there's no one to plead your case. And all your lovers have forgotten you. They seek you not. For I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy. The Lord did this. And with the chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of thy iniquity. That's the generation at the end of the age. 
filled with a multitude of iniquity because thy sins were increased. This is not my testimony against us. This is the testimony of the Lord against the final generation, and it's a testimony against all of us. Why criest thou for thy affliction? Your sorrow is incurable for the multitude of your iniquity because your sins were increased. I've done these things unto you. It's God that brought the grievous wounds. It's God that brought the incurable disease. It's God that brought the captivity and the affliction and the poverty and the wretchedness spiritually. And the, the absolute the devastation that is the ruined age of this present hour. The Lord did these things. Hallelujah. But look at verse 17. But I will restore health unto you. The Lord did this for a reason. To bring us to a place of understanding. That we would humble ourselves. And that we would begin to repent from the bottom of our hearts. And that we would learn to love the ways of the Lord. And we would no longer, our hearts would no longer go after these other gods. We would put that behind us once and for all. And being restored, we would now become holy unto the Lord. Our hearts would be engaged unto Him and Him alone. So we let us experience the fullness of the woeful fruit of the wages of sin. Now those in the flesh and those in denial, they have yet to see it today. But believe me, in the hour that's coming, their eyes will be opened. But understand that the Lord is also promising to restore health unto his people. And I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Because they called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeks after. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will turn yet again the captivity or the slavery of Jacob's tents, and I will have mercy on their dwellings, and the city shall be built, and the palace shall remain. And out of them shall proceed thanksgiving, and the voice of them that make merry, and I will multiply them. Suddenly God's restoring his people, and the people are beginning to rejoice. They are thanking the Lord for, for the healing and the deliverance. And God is beginning to, to pour out upon the people that he saved every good thing. And so out of the camp of the righteous proceeds thanksgiving and the voice of those who are rejoicing. And the Lord says, I will multiply them and they shall not be few. And I will glorify them and they will not be small. And their children shall be as before. And the congregation will be established before me. It will be sure. And there will be none that will move it, and I will punish all that attempt to oppress them. And their nobles shall be of themselves. There will be leaders or elders that will be lifted up by the Lord, selected by the Lord. And their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. This is the one who comes in the office of King David. Now the Lord refers to him as a governor. He will be the governor over the people. The Jews, the rabbis of ancient times, they referred to this verse in Jeremiah 30. Verse 21, if you guys you know, listen to the study of uh, Rabbi Alkali, they call this forerunner the son of Joseph. And this one comes in the same way that John the Baptist came before the face of the Lord. This is one whom the Lord lifted up and gave the authority 
in his camp, and he sets him up as a governor. Their governor shall proceed from the midst of the nobles, and I will cause him to draw near. And he shall near near to what? Near to God, and he will approach unto me. This governor gets to go see the Lord. And who is this that engaged his heart to approach unto me, saith the Lord? And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. That word where the Lord says in verse 21, Who is this that engaged? That's the remnant, but it's also this elder. And the word for engage is arab, and it means to braid or to to intermix. Technically, it means to barter or to make a trade or to pawn something. Who is this that pawned their heart with God and gave their heart as a security for a pledge and it's a, and to become a surety for the safety of another? The governor who gave their heart in exchange for the Lord didn't do it for themselves. They did it for the people. Even as King David, who had a heart after the Lord's own heart, he came to bless the people. He didn't come for himself. He came for the Lord, and he came for the people of God. So too, this governor has given his heart as a surety for the safety of the remnant. He gave his heart in exchange. This word, arab, also means to be sweet and well-pleasing. For God is well pleased with this kind of offering. When one seeks the Lord with all of their heart for the blessing of the Lord and for the blessing of another person, these are the prayers that are well received. These are the sweet and pleasing aromas in heaven. For these are the ones who stand in the gap, even as the Lord Jesus himself came and made his life an offering for the blessing of others. So, too, these come with a heart, even as God's own heart. They come to stand in the gap, and to pray, and to minister, and to bless the people of God. Hallelujah. And in verse 22, and you shall be my people. Now he's referring to the whole of the remnant, and I will be your God. And so the blessings have come, the, the captivity overturned. The wounds and the grievous pain has been re restored. The people have been healed. And now a rightful leadership has been put in place. And one who walks with the heart of King David is now going to serve the Lord for the ministry unto the people. And so in the camp of the righteous it shall be good. It will be very well in the remnant in that day, the scripture testifies. But in verse 23... The Lord turns his focus back to the world, which is now the full of the wicked. And he says, Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury. A continuing whirlwind is not going to stop. And it shall fall with pain upon the head of the wicked. And the fierce anger of the Lord will not return. It will not relent until he has done this and until he's performed the intent of his heart, and in the last days you will understand, you will perceive this perfectly, because this is what is about to happen in the world. And that word for continuing whirlwind, it will come forth with pain. That, that word for pain is keel in Hebrew, and it means to twist or to whirl, to writhe in pain, but it, it actually means to spin 
in a circular manner as if in a dance or a trance. People in so much pain, they just start spinning, trying to find a way out. As if a madness has overtaken them, but it does not end. The pain is perpetual, and it's only a preview of the wrath of God to be revealed in the eternal judgment that will follow. And as I was preparing and seeking the Lord and looking in the scriptures for the, the messages for the second half of the visit message, I heard the Spirit speak to me, winter is coming for the world. But for my remnant, the singing of the turtle dove shall be heard in their land. And I'm like, wow, you know, winter is coming for mm-hmm. sure. Summer's over. We've, we've pretty much entered into an early fall, at least in the northwest. The season of fall has come early upon us. And then what will follow shortly thereafter is a winter. And and the world is looking at the archetype of winter. And winter is coming is sort of a, a theme that is now all part of the message being given to the world. It's a threat even in, in I guess, some Game of Thrones program. They keep repeating that message, the winter is coming. And it conveys the thought of tragedy and darkness. It's a message of fear and death. And though the world today is enjoying the last days of its summer of prosperity, the words, winter is coming, warns the world of the dark days of the great tribulation, which lie ahead, in which no one is safe, and in which disaster and mourning, danger and death will lurk everywhere and will touch everyone save the remnant. A time of unparalleled destruction awaits the wicked. Pictured as a season of winter, filled with pain and misery and woe, yet within the camp of the remnant, who having been sanctified through the fire and through the blood of the Lamb, now bear the robes of righteousness. For them, the season that comes is not winter at all, but rather It'll be the season filled with the sound of spring and the sound of the turtle dove, a symbol of peace and love that will be filling the land of the redeemed. And the Song of Songs, the Book of Solomon's Song of Songs, captures the duality of this theme in chapter 2. And in verses 11 and 12, For lo, the winter is past. And the time of the rain is over. The time of the tears is ending. The time of the baptism is ending. And the time of misery and suffering and chastisement and woe is ending for the remnant. And now the flowers will appear upon the earth. And the time of the singing is come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. And as I began to look at the Hebrew text, the word for the time of singing, and I know your King James Bible inserts the words, the singing of the birds is come, but that word of the birds is not in the text. The Hebrew text reads, the time of the singing is come. And that word for is come in Hebrew is naga, and it actually means to touch. The time of singing 
by touching his calm. And it actually means, as Song of Songs is a book about the love of a man for a woman, and the book about the, uh, the love of a bride for her, for her betrothed, Scripture means the time to lay your hand upon a woman has come. And the implication is marriage. The time of the wedding feast has come. And the time of rejoicing, the time of the turtle dove, is the, the singing of the turtle dove, the voice of the turtle dove, is the sound of love in the land. So you couldn't pick a more incredible contrast in the, in the world which has been brought under the curse, having rejected the truth, it's turned to follow the beast under the deception of the false prophet, and now it's worshiping the dragon. A time of incredible pain and sorrow, misery and woe will be poured out. And in the camp of the remnant, the time of the wedding feast has come. The time of singing will come. The voice of the turtle dove will come. It'll be a great time of rejoicing. So for those in the remnant, that's why the Lord said, see to it that you do not fear. We're going to a wedding, and I'm not talking about the wedding feast in heaven after the literal return of the Lord. The remnant that will be preserved in the wilderness, they are going to have weddings within that camp. And they'll be singing and rejoicing. Song of Songs, verses, chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. The fig tree puts forth her green figs. The tree is blessed again. And the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away with me. O oh, my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock and in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. And the word in this verse for clefts in the rock means to take a refuge, to find refuge. For thou have, you have found, this is the remnant that the Lord is singing over, you have found a refuge in the munition of rocks. And the word for rock in this verse is the Hebrew word selah, and that is the word petra, and the Greek. Here we have a prophecy of the hiding of the remnant in the refuge of Petra during the Great Tribulation, and for them the time of singing, and the time of betrothal, and the joy of the bride, and the joy of the groom, and the joy of the, the families, and of the household of God, for the fruitfulness and the blessings of the Lord, the songs of rejoicing shall be heard in the land at the same time that the wicked are writhing and spinning and losing their minds in their pain. Song of Solomon, 2nd chapter, verses 16 to 17. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies until the daybreak, and the shadows shall flee away. Turn, my beloved, and be like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of spice. This is a picture of the remnant camp in the midst of the tribulation, in which the blessings of the Lord and the joy of the Lord shall be poured out 
It shall be very well with the remnant in that day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 26. And the Lord will lift up an ensign to the nations, and he will hiss unto them from the end of the earth. Behold, they will come swiftly. This is the, the anointed ones who come forth as the messengers of the Lord. The first part of his visitation when he comes in the, in, in the ministry of the 144,000, who is the archer, who is the, the symbol of the coming judge of the earth. And I would refer you back to the visit part one if you, if you um, didn't listen to part one. We talk about the archer being part of the judgment of God in this hour. And here he's lifting up as a sign to the nations the archer that is coming. It's a picture of the warriors coming forth for God whose arrows are sharp and their bows are bent and the horse hooves are like flint and their wheels are like a whirlwind. Of course, the reference to Ezekiel 1. And their roaring shall be like a lion and they will roar like young lions. There'll be 144,000 of them roaring. They will come forth like young lions in Micah chapter 5. And yes, they shall roar, and they will lay hold of the prey, and they will carry it away safe, and none can deliver it. And in that day, they shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if one looks unto the land, behold, darkness and sorrow, and the light of heaven will be darkened before them. And so here you've got a tale of two cities. You've got the city of Babylon, which is under the curse and the judgment of Almighty God, where it will be darkness and sorrow and the roaring of the sea. And then you've got the city of the redeemed, where they will have the sound of the turtle dove and the voice of singing and rejoicing. For the time of the flowers has come, and the Lord can do anything. Is there anything too hard for God having purified and cleansed his remnant during the great tribulation, he's going to pour upon them blessings unspeakable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the signs in the heavens and some of the messages Amen. that are, are being presented in the stars. And I wanted to begin with the the super blood moon that occurred on July 27th of this year that was centered in Israel. And the events that are coming upon the world were witnessed in the stars of this super blood moon. A super eclipse, a very, very large red blood moon was witnessed over Israel and much of the world. It was not visible from the United States. It was called a bullseye eclipse because the moon passed through the very center of the Earth's shadow. And it was a triad. It was, it was one of three significant eclipses in 2018. This eclipse occurred in the constellation known as Capricorn. And the Capricorn is known as the sea goat. It is the sacrifice that has been slain. It's the picture of a creature that has the head of a goat which has been slain and has the body of a fish that has come back to life. The goat actually is shown as dying, while the fish represents the rebirth that occurs as a result of the death of Jesus Christ, 
within the sea of humanity. And even as the beast rises up out of the sea, and we know from Revelation 13 that the beast came forth out of the sea. And of course, the sea represents the sea of humanity. I think if you guys have watched any of the uh, news broadcasts of the last few days, you've seen the beast coming forth out of the sea of humanity. Is the, you know, the shouting and the hatred and the, and the disorder and the chaos. It's the people that are on the dominion of Satan are just throwing all civility, all respect for any order in any of our political hearings. And I'm talking about the, the Judge Kavanaugh hearing where they couldn't even get the first sentence to open the hearing before the opposition was screaming and, and in complete disorder, complete chaos. But, so we're seeing the spirit of, of the beast begin to manifest and come forth out of the sea of humanity. And at the same time, even as the beast is rising up out of the sea of, of, of fallen humanity, so too the life of Jesus comes forth from death to life within a remnant of humanity that have been saved and redeemed and thus born again. Now with the new life of Jesus in them, they are the picture of the fish. Only as reborn men, they now live again. And the very life of Jesus is to begin to shine through them. So as the world becomes ever darker, the light in the camp of the righteous shall shine ever brighter. And the brightest star in the constellation of Capricorn has the meaning, the sacrifice that comes, or the slaying. And this eclipse in July of 2018, and let me, let me just open um, my little PDF so I've got it in front of me, and I think, Frank, you've perhaps you've loaded a couple of the PDFs up on the website. I don't know that you put the 70th generation blood moon up, but I'm going to refer to it at the moment. I'll uh, make this sure that by the time you end, I'll have I'll have them up there in the link, and they'll also be in the show uh, um, on and on the uh, YouTube link for those. It'd be really awesome if there was any way we could put them into the video itself but anyway back to send me a video editor somebody please yeah wouldn't that be great if we could put this stuff up so back to the message the this great eclipse that occurred and, and literally jerusalem was in the very center of it occurred in the constellation of capricorn and and the brightest star is the sacrifice that comes and the slaying and in, in Psalm 42, verses 6 through 8, the scripture reads, O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. For all thy waves and thy billows have gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be yet with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. And that's a special scripture for me, because the, the Lord had brought a great trial, and a, and a great great pouring out was, was brought 
upon my life. And it happened while I was living in the land of Jordan. And it was like four in the morning and I, I woke up and I went outside and it was just utter darkness. And all you could see is like the green glow of the various, you know, Islamic mosques. And I had, I opened my Bible and I read, my soul is cast down. I will remember thee from the land of Jordan. And I stood there in Jordan, weeping, just looking out over the darkness. And I thought, wow, I'm living this book. And praise God. But I will, the Lord promises he's going to yet command his loving kindness in the daytime. It was a night of weeping, but the light of the daytime of God is indeed come. And in, the, in that night of weeping, we need to remember that the song of the Lord is with us, and our prayers are heard by the God of our life. So this, the picture in the stars represented by the, the image of the goat that is slain and, and the fish that is reborn, this is a picture of the Messiah having sacrificed his own soul unto death, and having endured the arrows of God's wrath, he now descends into death, into the very depths of the sea. And you know, the book of Jonah is a, is a prophetic type and a shadow of these events. And Jonah said in chapter 2, And I said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me, and out of the belly of hell I cried, and thou heard my voice. Jonah literally felt like he went into the belly of hell, and he probably did because the digestive juices of that whale would have been digesting Jonah, which means his skin would have been burning as it was gradually, literally decomposing off his body. He was sitting in, a, in a, the belly of a whale filled with battery acid. For thou hast cast me into the deep and into the midst of the seas, and the floods have compassed me about, and thy billows and thy waves have passed over me, and I have said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again towards thy holy temple. And, you know, the being cast into the sea, and, and the symbolism of the death of your former life is also a picture of this consolation. And I just wanted to share a little poem that I wrote, which is in... The, the very back of the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, and it's called Into the Sea, and it kind of captures my personal experience alongside of Jonah, in which I wrote, All of the years of tears are now gone forever, and the memories, too, most of them have also been washed away, drowned, as it were, and lost as the sands of time, which simply disappeared into the sea. And on the night in which Jesus was to be betrayed, he went out into the garden to pray. And his heart was troubled and exceedingly sorrowful unto death. And it is an exceedingly great thing for a man's heart to sorrow unto death. It's even greater for a man to actually die from the wounding of his heart. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. These things I have spoken unto you, the Lord said, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so the Lord, he too experienced the despair and the, and the literally feeling that he, his soul had been cast down into hell as he faced the darkest hour in his life when he had to lay his life down to cover our sins. So too that dark hour is coming upon the earth. The earth is about to pay the price. The final judgment is about to be enforced. But in the camp of the remnant, after we have been cleansed through total repentance, and I'm not saying there won't be some fire, and I'm not saying that we won't suffer the loss of many things, and I'm not saying the road between here and the wilderness of Edom is necessarily going to be an easy one. But for those who have been called to be part of the remnant, when we've been through the process of total repentance, the Lord will put his protection and his blessings upon us, and we will share in the rejoicing and in the singing, along with the turtle doves in the camp of the righteous during these final days. And that is so awesome. I want to talk a little bit more about the details of the eclipse that occurred last summer because it's critical. And I'm going to look now to the deacons. Every major constellation has three lesser constellations which are called deacons, and they are part of the message of these stars. And the eclipse in this constellation is a message to the people of God, and it's a bullseye, and it was a super eclipse. The Lord wanted us to get this and get this good. That the end of sin has come. The time of the slaying is upon us. Those who remain in the place of compromise will be burned in the outer court of the temple. Those who are willing to forsake their sins can gather within the secret hiding place of the Lord, which is the actual house of their God. And they'll be preserved and taken to the place of rejoicing. The ones who are sort of stuck on their sin, well, they're going to find out that it was a very expensive mistake to make. But I'm not talking about losing your salvation. Just perhaps they'll lose the opportunity they would have had to be part of the remnant. So as this eclipse occurred over Jerusalem and over Israel last well, really, just, a, what, a little over a month ago. It, the deacons also bear witness to the message, and the first deacon of the constellation is called Sagita, and it's the arrow of God's wrath, and it's comprised of 18 stars. But only one of them has the name, and it's the most western star. It's the star in the west, and it, it's the name Sham in Hebrew, and it means the destroying one or desolate, to be made desolate. And so as the arrow of God's wrath is re released, it's shot forth to bring destruction and utter desolation. In ancient times, the arrow was the weapon used, according to mythology, this arrow was actually a weapon that was being used to kill the great eagle that ruled in the heavens, which is the second deacon, Aquila. And the ancients believed this arrow came forth from Mars and that it would represent those who would die in the coming war. And I find it ironic 
that the great superpower today, the daughter of Babylon, is in fact a great eagle. And as the arrow of God's judgment is cast forth, it is aimed at Aquila, the great eagle, the bird that carried the thunderbolts of the gods. This great eagle ruled the world because of its great power in the air. Only now it's a wounded eagle, and it's pictured as dying, having been struck by the judgment of God. And the brightest star in this constellation is Altair, and it means the wounding. And the star on its back is Tarazid, and it means to be torn. It's a picture of the wounding of the sacrifice, but perhaps it's also a picture of the judgment of the eagle whose wings are now about to be plucked. And the third deacon of the constellation of Capricorn is called Dolphinus, and it's the great fish, and it's pictured literally as a dolphin. And it's pictured as literally jumping up out of the sea, even as dolphins can literally fly up into the air. So this dolphin is coming forth out of the sea, and it represents the one who has died that is now reborn with the nature of the fish, having given himself to death and, and death in shame, now the remnant are reborn. The people that are born again are reborn in glory. And it's also a picture of the rebirth of Jesus' life in the form of his creation. His new life literally birthed in his creatures. And now he comes in glory within his creation to triumph over the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. January 1st, of January 21st of next year, in just a few months' time, the third eclipse of the triad. And I guess I, I didn't really get into the first one. That was in January 31st at the beginning of 2018. And the third eclipse that are all part of the same group will occur on the 21st of January next year, in January of 2019. And this is the final eclipse of the series and it will be centered over New York, the capital city of America, Babylon. The eclipse will occur in the constellation of the sheepfold, which we know as Cancer. And Mercury and the Sun will be in conjunction in the constellation of the Harvest Man, God bringing forth His Word in the light of day. Also in conjunction is the planet Pluto, which represents that which comes from the farthest reaches, from eternity past. And Saturn will be at the back of the head of the harvest man, a final striking at the last. While in Jupiter, and, and Jupiter is literally in, in holding the scales of judgment, in the planet Jupiter, all of the moons of Jupiter will be in perfect alignment during the eclipse as the sons of God are brought into perfection to the eternal council of the triune God. And Saturn, at the time of the eclipse, will also itself be eclipsing its moon, Atlas, the name given to the great power that upholds the world, and now this power being eclipsed. The sign portends a time when Atlas will shrug and when the rulers of the world will seek to hide themselves in the rocks of the earth, for the wrath of the Lamb is about to come. But the judgment first must begin in the house of the Lord. On the very next day, January 22, 2019, Venus comes in conjunction with Jupiter, 
under the feet of the Lord, represented by the constellation Ophicuchus. This constellation is a picture of the mighty one restraining the great serpent, which is nevertheless attempting to lift itself up and to grasp the victor's, or to steal the victor's crown. But not only is the mighty one restraining the serpent, he's also about to crush him under his feet. One of his feet are shown as being lifted up, having been stung by the scorpion, and thus he was wounded in the fight, but with his second foot he's preparing to crush Satan's head. And the second foot represents his second coming, which begins with the reign of the Gabarim, the mighty ones upon the earth. And the will and they will bring the rule of the king in the coming judgment. And the star in his foot means it's the star Saif, and it means the one who was bruised. Later in the year, in the Southern Pacific Ocean and in South America, they will witness a total eclipse on the second of July. And then at the end of twenty nineteen there will be a final eclipse on December 26th, a solar eclipse, on the day after the end of the Feast of Saturnalia. Now, some of you guys don't know what we call the Christmas holiday. If you do your research, you go back in time. It was a Roman feast. It was called Saturnalia, and it was the worship of Saturn. And, of course, it was a time of drunkenness and and orgy and, and outrageous, per, you know, evil and wicked behavior, and thus it was called Saturnalia. And if you worship Saturn, which is Satan, he will nail you. But we are the worshipers of the Lord. But on this final day, December 26th, end of 2019, there'll be a final solar eclipse, but it will be an annular solar eclipse, which means the moon will not fully block out the sun. The moon will not be It'll be a little bit too far away from the Earth. So the sun will turn into a black star, and around the sun will be, a, around the black center, which will be the darkness of the moon, will be a ring of fire during the duration of this eclipse. And, and it won't be like totality, which lasted a few minutes. This is going to last for hours. And it's referred to as a black star. When the sun itself shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. A black star is actually a symbol of the coming forth of occult power. It's another name for a black sun. A black star is also another name for Saturn, which is Satan. And Saturn worship was the original center of all occult worship, depicted as a hexagram we know Saturn is known as the king's star, or the king of this earth's star. So our very sun will become a black star at the start, at the end of the year um, 2019. And you know, the black star, of course, you guys may remember uh, David Bowie's final album, where he released an, a song called Black Star, and it was the name of his album two days before he died, and you know, obviously speaking to the Dark Ones, the language from that song, in the village of Ormen, in the villa of Ormen, stands a solitary candle in the center of it all, your eyes. And, and the village of Ormen literally derived its name from a village in Norway called Ormen, 
which means the house of the serpent. And the village of Ormen can be described as the house for the order of all men. And the order of all men is literally in the house of the serpent. And so it will be a sign to all of the occultists and all of the people that are following the dark shadows that the time of the rising of the dark ones indeed is coming upon the earth. And the scripture speaks of, of what will follow. You know, they think they're going to somehow inherit the earth, and what they're going to inherit is the wrath and the judgment of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 8, verses 21 and 22, the scripture reads, and they will pass through the land, and they will, it'll be hardship, and they will hunger, and it will come to pass that they will fret themselves They'll be dismayed, and they'll be full of fear, and they will curse their king and their God. And they will look upward, they will look unto the earth, and they will hold only trouble and darkness and dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. But not so with the remnant, for the scripture testifies in Isaiah 51, for the Lord will yet comfort Zion, and he will comfort all of her waste places, and he will make the wilderness, this is the place for the, 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 the camping, the waiting for the entrance into the kingdom of the Lord, where the, the remnant waits in the wilderness that's been prepared. The Lord says, I will make the wilderness like Edom, and the desert shall become like the garden of the Lord, and joy and gladness will be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. My righteousness is near, saith the Lord, and my salvation has gone forth, and my arm shall judge the nations. The isles will wait upon me. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look upon the earth below, for the heavens will vanish away like smoke, and the earth will wax old like a garment. And they that dwell therein shall die, but my salvation shall be forever, saith the Lord, and my righteousness shall never end. Hearken unto me, listen to me, saith the Lord, you who know my righteousness, the people in whose heart is my word. Fear not the reproach of the men, neither be afraid of their revelings. The moth will soon eat them up like a garment, and then the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation unto eternity. Hallelujah. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return, and they will come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning will flee away. I, even I, am he that comforts you, saith the Lord. Who are you that you should be afraid of the men that shall soon die, and of the son of men which are made like grass? And you forget the Lord, your Maker, for He stretched forth the heavens. He created these mighty signs in the skies that testify to the work that He's about to do. And it is the Lord who laid the foundation of the earth. Why do you fear continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if He was ready to destroy? And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captives will be loosed soon, and they will not die, and their bread will not fail, and the Lord shall hasten this in its time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, let your word be a blessing unto your remnant. 
and let it be a warning unto those who walk in rebellion, hiding their sin from themselves, though they hide it not from you. Lord, do a work in your people. Make the remnant ready, Lord. Cause them to rest. Cause them to cease from fear and to cease from dismaying and that they could learn to walk and be led by your Spirit. Lord, come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In the book of Revelation, the Lord, and I just want to read and I'll just finish up because we're about to get into the book of Revelation in terms of, you know, like the real world's going to be in the book of Revelation soon enough. So I just wanted to remind you guys of a couple things from the end of the book, chapter 22, which is the fullness of all things. And verse 6, the Lord and the angel said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. And the Lord continues to reveal unto us the things that will now be done in the earth. And Jesus said in verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Hallelujah. And again in verse 10, And the angel said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Hallelujah. And again in verse 12, the Lord said, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according to the work that he has done. For I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, and they, that they may have a right to the tree of life, and to enter in through the gates of the great city. And again, in verse 20, the Lord says, He which testifies, testifies of these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And I just want to note for, you know, your uh, perspective or consideration, the Lord has repeated himself three times at the end of the book of Revelations, saying, I come quickly, I come quickly. Behold, surely I come quickly. And now some may dispute exactly how quickly the Lord came, but to every man and woman that read this book, he came unto them quickly. Our lives pass by as a shadow. You know, you're young and then you're old and the time seemed to fly. And the Lord is coming quickly unto each and every one of us. But unto us, who are the children of the last days, now we are going to witness the actual fulfillment of these things. Brothers and sisters, do not be afraid of what is about to happen in the earth. And you know, will things begin to change before the end of 2018? We shall soon find out. But from the signs in the heavens, everything has been prophesied, and the witness has been given unto the world. And all that remains is for the time of the fulfillment of these things. You know, as we look at the time of Babylon, the reign of Babylon clearly began somewhere in the 1949 window. I don't know the proper benchmark to measure out the 70 years exactly, but it certainly appears 
that the 70 years would be completed somewhere to the end of 2019. If we're measuring from Rosh Hashanah in 1949, you would be looking to the end of 2019, and that would be 70 complete years. Israel's independence war actually was was finally won in July of 1949, and the state of Israel began to exercise its sovereignty over all of its land. And, and for the first time, had a, a period of peace. And if we want to count from Rosh Hashanah, following the beginning of the rule of America Babylon and the beginning of the, the restoration of the people into the land of Israel, whether we, I would assume we would count from Rosh Hashanah, the fall of 1949 would take us into the fall of 2019. So perhaps these events will all take place in, in the coming one to two year period. We shall see. But the Lord himself said he's coming quickly. And I think we should take heed to his words. Thank you all for, for tuning in and for listening. I appreciate to the prayer army. Thank you guys for praying, the warfare. Ever since I brought this message out regarding the 70-year reign of America Babylon at the end of the age, the warfare has been without precedent. Mm. You know, this has been really stirring it up. And, you know, people have come forth. I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen the websites, people that are mocking the message, you know, making fun of this. Even as Hananiah mocked Jeremiah in the hours literally in the months before the judgment came down on ancient Israel. So mockers have come forth in this time to mock this warning. Brothers and sisters, the hour is truly late. These signs in the heavens are real. And I'll go back and listen to some of the prior messages if, if you haven't had the opportunity, and then begin to prepare with all urgency, with fasting and with prayer. Mm. that you and your household could be saved for the day of the Lord indeed is at hand. God bless you all, and thank you, Frank, for the opportunity to share. Amen. I just want to say a few quick things, folks. This uh, understanding of the stars, it, it might seem so weird, but this is stuff that's been known about. Josephus mentioned back in his writings, which actually was, has been confirmed in several other ancient writings, uh, it, it says, and I'm just going to read it to you really quick what it says. The discovery of the, of the heavenly bodies in their orderly array, moreover, to prevent their discoveries from being lost to mankind and perishing before they became known, Adam, having predicted the destruction of the universe, at one time by a violent fire and another by a mighty deluge of water, they erected two pillars, one of brick and the other of stone. This is talking about Seth's descendants and inscribed these discoveries on both so that the pillar of brick disappearing in the deluge that the stone would remain to teach men that was graven thereon to inform them that they had also erected one of brick. And this is talking about the knowledge of the heavens in the stars. And, and this, this, it's called the two stele, as it's known for uh, uh, belief doctrine. It's referred to, there was ancient knowledge that the devil tried to counterfeit and, and, you know, we see those, you can go at your little horoscopes, that's the fake knowledge, but there is a true knowledge no, from back in the beginning, it's attested to from history that this is known, and I believe the Lord is opening this understanding back in these last days, and we, as we just one more witness to everything coming at this point. So, Benjamin, thank you. Uh, folks, 
that is an overload of knowledge, I understand. But if you get into this and start really looking at some of these things, you will see that God put the whole entire story of not only what has happened, what's going to happen in the stars. And I just thank God for that. Brother Benjamin, God bless you and everything you do. You know what? Jeremiah had no known converts, yet we're still talking about that book over 2,000 years later. So praise God, uh, no matter if they mock or what. Keep saying the truth, uh, you know, no matter what they do. So God bless you for that. Folks, this is Brother Frank uh, and Brother Benjamin here at the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom.